Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. change I could make to be more productive is clearing my desk. Ever notice how the Lego minifigure and the random bill just sitting there can get you off track? Today we are going to keep our simple theme going and explore how simplicity and productivity go hand in hand. There is in fact a direct correlation between the two. Keep things simple, drive up productivity. Do you ever wish you could extract more from your day? Really spend the right energy and effort on the things that matter most? Let's make it happen with the application of Simple is Smart. Off we go. Jen, I've spent the last week thinking so much about Simple is Smart. Simple is Smart. And I found myself looking all around me for places that need simplified where I've let complexity (laughs) creep into my life. That's psychotic behavior, right? I mean, yes and no. If you're taking seriously this idea of how are we going to simplify and we gave the complexity red flags. So congrats for looking for them. It's good. My husband's a little bit worried that we're going to have nothing left in the house by the time I keep purging and goodwilling because this isn't simple enough. But, you know, we'll be okay if we don't have four pizza cutters and we only have two. Life will somehow go on. Oh my goodness. So let's recap our simple and where we are right now. So the simple recap, Jen, let's start. We said simple was not three things last week. You want to remind us quickly? Yes. We said simple is not easy, not stupid, and not reductionist. A lot of Which times, I love. Yes. Because a lot of times we hear simple and we think, oh, that's so basic and that's just obvious or lazy. And it is not any of those things. And in fact, the second thing we talked about is the fact that our natural movements toward complexity and the effort that we put towards simple, which is smart, often hard (laughs) and full of nuance, um, is the opposite thing. So very important clarification. It is. And I'll tell you what, it's freeing. So I was making fun of myself a little bit about the fact that I'm looking around me for simple. But if I'm honest, it's not just purging things in my house. I really was paying attention to it in my work life this week a little bit more. And I shared that the reductionist part was something I struggled with. If I go too simple, I must be missing something. When you start to free yourself of that thought, real change can happen very quickly. So if you didn't listen to that episode, jump back and get it, folks. And I hope you can really take that to heart. It even as the one presenting the information, I find myself learning from it and using it. So that was really good. And then finally, what we talked about is that simple is something that is easy to articulate. You can communicate it and communicate it broadly. It prioritizes the main thing and you just plain old get things done through that simple communication as exemplified by saying simple is smart. 
Yes, I love it. And I did see this play out for me this week. And the direction we're going to go today is this idea of simple gets things done and this relationship that exists between simplicity and productivity. And so I definitely took that simple mentality into my planning of my work week and it made a huge difference. So I'm eager to move into that conversation of how simple – it, it leads to greater productivity. It doesn't lead to not getting things done. It actually leads to getting, I would say, more done, but really better work done. So let's dive right into that and talk about productivity made simple. What's a really simple approach to becoming more productive? And Jen, I'm going to state the obvious, but it's so important. Number one, do less. Oh, this one's so hard for me, Laura, because I have said this before on this podcast. I am that Enneagram 3 achiever. I have this somehow need inside of me to constantly feel like I get more done and to to tie my worth and my value directly to how much I accomplished. And this one I have learned the hard way again and again and again is that I am more productive when I actually do less and what I think this leans into is the idea is that productivity is falsely understood as getting more done productivity is what leads us effectively toward a usable product and busyness isn't the answer you're correct about that. I'm going to be the quippy, you know, everybody always says a person today. This is a great example of keeping it simple, like we were saying, but also just that busy does not make complete mm-hmm. and busy does not make outcomes that you need or want. All busy is, is busy. And I think one of these things here is we just have to have a moment and say, we have to be willing to break free of the culture that says, if you're busy, you must be more important. You must be getting more done or, you know, you're burdened heavier than everyone else. So you're winning the look at me and how burdened I am game. I got to tell you, this has actually been a big pandemic learning for me, so to speak, right? Stepping back and getting to that concept of simpler in life is better do less to be more productive you can be a better housekeeper by trying to get less done and but be doing what you do do better (laughs) i said do do (laughs) doing what you do do better right Mm -hmm. you can be a better manager by choosing the things you engage in so that your engagement is meaningful as opposed to micromanagement or distracting or just more work, right? Mm -hmm. This is what we're talking about, folks. Do less, but the less you do, make it matter. Exactly. It's really about getting the right work done well as opposed to getting a ton of work done and scrambling through all of it. And it it really is a big deal. And it really is one of those things. I love that you said it this way. We have made busyness an ideal in our culture. And we have to become less impressed with our own busyness and the busyness of others. It's a really important thing. And I think it helps us all be really healthy. And I would encourage all of us, think about how you can be the leader and be willing to say, I don't have anything on my calendar tonight. I'm reading a book and feel good about that, right? Mm -hmm. All good, my friends. So let's go to the next one. I want to really stay on this train of thought that what are simple ways to combine simple and productivity. The next one is let's talk about how you need to work on managing your energy 
instead of your time. And if you get simply focused on making good use of your energy instead of good use of your time, you are in that very simple shift going to get big results. Does that make sense, Jen? Help people track along with what I mean versus in energy versus time management. It does. This is a really big differentiation. And it was one that I learned a few years ago when I invested in Carrie Newhoff's High Capacity Leader course. And I had heard him talk about it several times and kind of, you know, just resisted doing one of those um, online course type things. But this was one of the very best things that I have done in recent years to help me learn this because one of the things that he has you do in that course is actually spend a week tracking your energy levels throughout the course of the day and just paying attention to, you know, when, when do I have a ton of energy? When am I lacking the most energy? And letting that be the framework for moving into a fixed calendar. And even if you don't do a fixed calendar, but really getting behind that idea of, I've got to do my best work when I have my best energy. And if I do that, then I can also find better ways to use my low energy moments. So here's the example for me of how this played out. I am a morning person, so I definitely have my highest energy in the morning. And so I prioritize the things that I need to get done, the most important things, the things I need to focus on, the deep work I need to do for those early hours in the day. And then on the flip side, one of my really high low energy windows is mid-afternoon, two o'clock, three o'clock. Ooh, I am not at my best. And so I found ways though, one of the things I intentionally did was I started to schedule some of my meetings during that time. Now that wasn't me saying these meetings don't matter, so I'll shove them in this block. It was me saying, if I have this time unscheduled, then chances are my, my productivity is gonna be low because I'm gonna end up wandering. I'm gonna end up scrolling on something. I'm gonna end up lagging. Whereas if I put something intentionally into that block that I can do, it's gonna, it's gonna allow me to use that window instead of waste that window. So I hope that helps everybody make sense. But when we function based on our energy, instead of just saying, okay, this is the amount of time I have and this is what I have to do, but then you, you just, you make it harder for yourself. Really well said. And I'm gonna point our, re our listeners to two books, which will make you also our readers. Um, there are two books that speak to this concept well. One of them's a really short, fun book by Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog. It's been out for forever. It's multiple editions, um, been out a long time. The whole concept of Eat That Frog is about tackling that thing you don't want to do or that is really difficult or is you know necessary as a predecessor to other things, getting it done first or when your energy is at its highest so that the rest of the day flows from there. Um, and I think that's a really good one. If this is something you talk about, the subtitle of that book is 31 Great Ways to Stop Procrastinating and Get More Done in Less Time. So it follows right along with what we're doing. And I am known to sometimes look at people and say, eat that frog. We actually read it as a staff probably more years ago than I would like to even admit to anyone and with a staff that I don't even have anymore. So let's not go there. Um, the other book I'd remind you of that's already come up this year is The 5 a.m. Club. And that's another book that just really gets into that, how are you making good use of your morning? Assuming that mornings is the time that works for you. I know folks that say, man, I am on 
fire at 8 p.m. And if you are one of those people, you go for it. Jen is sleeping, but you get after it and get that work done. Good for you. But let's manage our energy and plan things in a way that suits our energy really well. One more, Jen, and I think this one is the simplest and the most incredible on the list, and it is the concept of eliminate distractions. A simple way to get highly productive is to eliminate distractions, and I'm just gonna say it right now. I know there's somebody going, yeah, it would be nice, easier said than done, my dog is crazy, I'm constantly getting text messages. I know there's a naysayer that just turned the volume down and is thinking that. Turn your volume back up, this is possible. Exactly, and where we fall into this is the idea that yes, distractions are a reality. They happen and you can't account for all of them. Kids, dogs, crises, I mean there's not a day that goes by that we don't get a text message about something that we didn't have on our radar for that day. However, now that we know that, then we can make some simple movements to eliminate the distractions that we can control. They're coming either way, but eliminate the ones you can control to make room for the ones you can't. So for example, there are times when I am working on things, when I am doing something that requires more thought, more attention, more concentration, and in those moments, my phone is turned off, there are zero notifications, there are no alerts, and some of this is just getting back to a, a reality where we, we convince ourselves sometimes of the fact that we're so important that we can't not be reached or I, I don't even know what it is all the time. But if there's an emergency, people will find their way to you. By and large, we need to create spaces where we shut things down and move them. And so I'm a big believer in not having notifications set up for things. I do not have notifications, the email on my phone, um, I, I do not have notifications for that and it only loads new mail when I open the app. So I do not have a stupid number staring at me when I'm trying to do other things. <laughs> it has a place, but those things are distracting, Laura. As soon as you oh, see the, the number, red thing, it doesn't matter yeah. if you're not looking at it. You just, suddenly you wonder. It's actually something that I need to go to marriage counseling about because my <laughs> it is the red, the number in the red bubble on my husband's phone is distracting to me. I mean, and it actually makes him crazy because I'm like, oh my gosh, you need to clear all of that. And he, what are you talking about, right? It, I, I Clearing the notifications is a huge, I totally get that. And I know we're not alone, a lot of people with that one. But I think the point is, it's possible to stop those things. I really want to reference here, it's my day for book references. Come with me, everyone, <laughs> down Library Lane. So um, Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. We've talked about Cal on this podcast before. I don't know that we've referenced this book. One of his earlier books, Deep Work, is all about this topic and really gets into how you train yourself and how you plan to do that no distraction work where you get the breakthroughs and you solve real problems and creativity comes into play. Um, and I'll note, one of the things that he really points out in that book is to schedule and be intentional about when you're gonna do that deep work. And here's the plus side, bringing together what Jen said and what I'm now saying. You can let people know, hey, from two to four this afternoon, I'm doing deep work. And they're not gonna be surprised if they can't get you, if that's the way you're playing the game. Like if that truly is a concern for you, you can let the people that you think can't live without you know, deep work is about to happen, I'm gonna be off the grid, 
if it's an emergency, here's how you got to get me. Um, one of the things Cal Newport does point out there too, as well, is that four hours of deep work is probably the most anybody can do in a row. So bringing that together with your energy management, you have to train just to get to the point where you can work at that level for four hours. So we're not talking about going off the grid for a day and a half, guys. We're talking about, can you block two hours to go build that analysis that you need to present for some decision-making next week, right? Can you build that two hours to go stand at a whiteboard and really think about what the next um, sermon series is that you need to preach or where you're going with some product strategy, whatever that thing is for you, building that time into your calendar and using it well. You're gonna be so productive if you eliminate distractions and just get work done in that manner. And I want to bring it back to what we talked about last week and recapped in this, is that our natural tendency is to move toward complexity. And when it comes to productivity, our natural tendencies are to move toward multitasking. Again, the more I do, the more I get done. So the more I can accomplish at the same time, the more I get done. But what studies have shown again and again and again is that multitasking can be one of our biggest distractors every time we have to move our attention from one thing to another we lose momentum and mm -hmm. so getting simple coming back to this idea of saying let's clear things out let's do one thing at a time let's keep it simple actually leads to greater productivity well said and way to bring it together. So folks, we're gonna get more productive in a simple way by doing less, working on our energy management, and eliminating distractions. And we're gonna come back in a few minutes and come back to how to motivate ourselves to, do, to be more productive in, of course, a simple way. <laughs> Jen, so it's real talk time, and today we're talking about how to be more productive in a simple way and I think you're going to tell us a running story. So warning to everybody, real talk involves running, but hang in there with her. God loves her. And so do we. Jen, it's a great example. Let it rip. It is. And here's the deal. This is not a running story that is about any of us. Um, this is not about my running or your running. In fact, this is about a man who did something that no one else has ever done. So some of you may know this name others of you this is completely off the radar but in october of 2019 kipchoge ran a sub two hour marathon this Sweet was unheard of like just the thought alone i mean it took me years to run a sub two hour half marathon so just the idea that there is a human being with the same appendages that that i have that can run that far and that fast is unbelievable but now here's the crazy thing about the story a lot of people are really quick to dismiss some of it and be like yes but it was perfect conditions and the perfect scenario and everything else it was not in a race format um, it was done as a solo endeavor nike staged the whole thing just to see if this could humanly be done and so where it becomes the illustration what i love about this though is that it was part of this almost you know human study and human experiment of whether the body was capable of that kind of activity or productivity you might say and what they had to do was figure out at its most simple level 
how do you function? And so really quickly, and there's so much. This is such a cool story, and he's such a cool guy. He's a Kenyan. He's got this huge smile. He thinks that when running gets really hard, you should just smile bigger and get there. Um, and even though this one wasn't a race, he's certainly an Olympic champion and has all sorts of world records in running events. He's just a really cool guy. You should look this up. But in this particular experiment, what they had to do was – eliminate and make the things that would complicate the process go away so they found a flat course it had the fewest turns possible they had a team with him maximizing his fuel and they had different pacers that were rotating in and out and around him um, in a very specified formation but they broke everything down to the simple place of we've got to eliminate the distractions we've got to find a way for the body to do less of everything else so that it could focus all of its attention toward that movement of running and I'm actually not a marathoner I, I do half marathons and I do adventure races that are a little longer than that but nothing that's 26.2 at once but one of the things I have heard from marathoners is they do look for courses with the fewest turns. And so I just love that as part of this simplicity of we operated our best, we operated our highest level and our highest potential when we make things simple and we eliminate the distractions. Laura, we talked about the idea that simplicity and productivity go hand in hand. And we wanna turn in this segment quickly to what is it that motivates our productivity? Because again, we're going to argue that if you can get really focused, which we have talked about as part of this simple mentality, if you can be smart and you can be focused and you can understand what motivates your productivity, it's going to be a lot higher. And on the opposite side, we have to be able to see the things that are motivating our productivity in a way that is actually adding complexity versus pushing back towards simplicity. So, Laura, I'm gonna throw it to you. What is one of the productivity motivators you think of, and do you think it falls on the good motivator, not so good motivator? So let's start positive. I think that prioritizing is an excellent motivator for productivity. It's really simple. It can be simple if you let it be, I should say. And it gets you positively motivated. Specifically, I mean that often we have too much to do. We talked earlier about doing less to be more productive, but there's still always a lot of things we'll call them in the queue. Mm -hmm. If you prioritize and go through the simple exercise of saying, here are the top three things. I always like to work in threes. That is no shocker to anybody. What are the top three things that need to get done? I think it is motivating because you know where to focus. And the same is true if you're in a leadership position and you motivate people towards projects because they know they're going to finish the three most important things. They're not going to finish and nobody's going to notice because it wasn't important, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that concept of prioritizing that gets a clear objective and it makes simple decision making and it just makes you want to go get something done. I like that. And again, we talked about this last week too. When you know what the main idea is, when you know what the main objective is, it, it does stay motivating to keep going because you can get things done. You can cross a finish line. And so that's a good one. I'll go to the not so good that I think is also one of the ones that is most frequently used. And it is the motivator of urgency or a deadline 
Um, we all know that our houses are never cleaner than in the last five minutes before someone is coming over. And there's just this urgency that forces this rapid fire, I can get all of this done really fast because it has to get done. But the reason it's not such a good um, long-term motivator or useful for productivity, and for some people I really want to challenge you in this because you feel like you work well under pressure and the deadline is your friend, but I want to push back on this idea to say that it's not consistent nor is it the kind of productivity that leads to our best work because when we're forced into the urgent, again, we're also going to go to the more complex because we haven't thought through it. We're just trying to get done as quickly as possible. And then what will happen is on the backside of the project, someone goes, how did you do that? And you don't have a good answer. And again, we said that last week, a complexity red flag is when you say, oh, I can't really explain it, you know, or it was it was too much to understand. Um, you know, you have to understand how you got somewhere if you want to repeat the process. And so, again, I, I think this is part of life. There's always going to be urgency. There's always going to be deadlines. There's always going to be something that pops up and you've got to move quickly. But if that's your go-to for being productive, then you are going to trend toward complexity every single day time um, versus when you can set up your productivity by a, a different scale. So we kind of just offered ones that balance the urgency versus the prioritization, right? They're actually contrasting concepts. Work in a priority, not an urgent manner. Let's go to a different realm. Um, and this one is positive again. I'm not doing this to you on purpose, Jen, but it is kind of fun. Um, I think the the next one I want to point to is measuring performance. And I know somebody's chuckling and thinking, here she goes with her KPIs and spreadsheets again. That's not actually my intent, but I think it's worth noting that a really good motivator for productivity is measuring performance and that you're making progress and that you're hitting goals. And I'm going to point to another book here. This is four for the episode. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Patrick Lencioni does a beautiful job helping you understand this in his book, Three Signs of a Miserable job. If you've never read that one yet, it's a little bit older one of his, go back and pick it up and check it out. Um, it, you know, Lencioni, he writes in parables. So they're really easy to read and digest and enjoy. And one of the biggest concepts in this one, it's built around a gentleman that ends up taking over a pizza shop to help them get their stuff together. And one of the things he does is start tracking how they're doing on filling orders. And it's really phenomenal what happens. So I think this whole concept of measuring performance is a great way to get after productivity and it motivates people. I like it. And I like that you said stuff. Get your stuff together, people. That was <laughs> fantastic. I'm not known for the flowery language. <laughs> I mean, I just appreciated that we're keeping it clean, you know, get your stuff together. And <laughs> So, all right, so there's a couple positive and then often, you know, the urgency that can be out there. I think another one that my head goes to, and I apologize, Laura, I'm going to go off script here a little bit, is that um, sometimes productivity can also be driven by competition. And we all know Laura and I are competitive. Ooh. And so I am not anti-competition, but I think it's a bad motivator because again, it doesn't lead to 
the best product nine times out of ten. I listened to a fantastic interview recently with David Salyers, who's the head of marketing for Chick-fil-A and has been for a very, very, very long time. And he, oh my gosh, it was a masterclass in leadership and marketing and sales and so many different things. Um, We can link to it in our show notes because it really was a great conversation. But he talks about the fact that if you continue to be motivated for what you can accomplish and the level of sales you're trying to achieve by just getting more than the other guy, then you're always going to miss the better conversation of what do we do that adds value. And ultimately, again, I think that falls in line with the do less, right? There's a reason that Chick-fil-A only makes chicken. They have, they have stayed very firmly in that lane. They do chicken, but they do it really well and they market really differently every single time because their goal and their motivator for productivity and sales has never been to beat the other guy, but to create value for the people they're working with, both the people that they function with, um, all of their subcontractors and everything else, and the people that are the consumers, like yours truly, regular consumer. And so there's a huge lesson there, I think, in simplicity and productivity going hand-to-hand when we aren't just motivated by the competition of, I don't have to be great, I just have to be better than them. That's really deep. That has me thinking a lot, actually, about how often do we undersell ourselves because we're so busy trying to be better than the others instead of just reaching our own true potential. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot to really think about there. And for us to talk really seriously, it's funny sometimes to think about like, you know, you only the best way to not be eaten by a bear is run faster than the other guy. But that's not <laughs> how you actually win in life, right? That's not. <laughs> I'm only laughing because that was actually used in the circle I run with the other week by someone who was wanting to join us but said he refused to be the one eaten by the bear <laughs> so in your case it would be the one eaten by the crocodile coming up behind y'all or That's the true. alligator excuse That's true. me be the gator yep some of the places you run scare the tarnation out of me you can keep it down south all right i'll keep my snow you can keep your alligators <laughs> there you go it's fair let's continue on the productivity motivators i want to at least draw one more out and it is this tell someone what you're doing. There is nothing more simple and motivating, motivating than making a commitment out loud in someone else's earshot, because you've just done two things. If it's a good somebody, you've created an accountability partner, but you've also just put yourself out there so that someone else knows there's record of it. You can't not do it and get away with it. Um, someone's going to notice. And I think that's a really good thing. Of course, there's also the positive aspect of that, that this person can also be an encourager if you need that. But I think very simple, letting someone know you have a goal you intend to accomplish or something you need to get done that's really important, it's a really easy way to get yourself productive is to make it public. Well, and here's how this plays into simplicity. If you tell someone what you're up to, then you have to be able to articulate it clearly. So even just in that one step, you have prioritized, you have focused, you have made a clear path forward. And that is simple. Complicated is, oh gosh, I can't even tell you what I have on my plate today. That's complicated. Simple, doing less, organized work. And when you can say that clearly to someone else, you have attached that accountability piece, which always leads to higher productivity. 
All right, Laura, I love this list. I hope that helps everybody. I hope you caught yourself on some of those that maybe you've fallen into a rut of producing for the urgent that is making your life more complicated. We want to continue to encourage you on the path to simplicity. Make that list shorter this week and tell somebody about it. We'll be right back with Memory Lane. Today on Memory Lane, we are taking it back to our childhood, and one of the words you have heard us use on occasion as we talk about our childhood is the word parsonage, which is old school um, language in a lot of ways, but for um, traditionally speaking, churches had homes that were owned by the churches and the pastor lived in those. And so as pastor's kids, we did in fact grow up in parsonages. And so there was this weird dynamic of living in a house that wasn't ours. And so, Laura, I laughed thinking about when urgency becomes a motivator to our productivity. And I couldn't help but think about the trustees' annual inspection of our home. Oh my gosh. I I look back at that as a kid. I thought it was weird and maybe even a little exciting (laughs) and bizarre that these men were, it was usually men in those days, these men were going to come over and meet in our house and inspect our house once a year. Um, and now I look back at it and I think, oh, my poor poor mom and dad. Yep. Like, such an invasion and mom feeling the stress of that. I just can't even begin to imagine. But I know how I feel when the bug guy comes to do his twice a year inspection of my house. And it's his job <laughs> to find problems. So um, we really did have those. And I remember them so clearly, like getting the house picked up. Mom would sometimes bake a pie for them, not to bribe them because she's a great housekeeper. The house was in fantastic shape but yeah, but it would you know, smell bake so a pie, good. but it I would make it smell good that, right yeah. to just do that parsonage inspection thing I don't even know if they still do those today but it's very bizarre and we would but again urgency um, creating this very simple motivator good or bad <laughs> everything had to be picked up and ready to rock for that you did not want anybody to see anything weird laying around the house not that we like left clothes laying around all the time anyway but it really did get us to go And I'll tell you, Jen, I think about that, and I've never in my adult life lived in a scenario where someone comes to inspect my house. Um, I think maybe once we had an appraisal, but even that I don't remember getting wound up about. But one of the things that I do think about is, which is similar, is when I've sold houses. So John and I have moved quite a few times over the years and had houses that were on the market. And what are the things you do when you go to sell a house? Like I remember one time we were moving, we actually got a storage unit to put things from our house in in order to declutter and clear the house so that it looked nicer when people came to visit it. One other time when we were selling a house, this is when we were leaving Ohio to come back to Pennsylvania, and we had some painting done, and I put up some new artwork and kind of changed the look of the entranceway, right? Like did that series of stuff. And there's two things for that. I think, oh my gosh, what a crazy thing we do so that other people can come invade your space and look around, Um, even cleaning up cabinets, right? But then my memory of some of those things is always going, now why didn't I ever do that just for myself? Now in the case of the storage unit, let's admit that that speaks to a whole nother issue that needed to be addressed. But like when it comes to the redecorating and redoing an entranceway, you go, now why didn't I paint that and make that beautiful for me six years sooner so that I could have enjoyed it instead of doing it for folks. But I have these great memories of in our childhood, preparing the house for others that were coming over. It was always an open door. 
and then as an adult some just really funny memories of what it's like when people come in and look at your things yeah and i will say the last house our first house that my husband and i had when we sold it it was an older house and it had a ton of stuff it did not have a remotely modern kitchen or any of these things and it's not like we could spend a bajillion dollars just to sell this small house like we would have never gotten our value back and i remember the real estate agent being so good at her job and talking us through the fact of we can't do everything but let's be simple let's figure out what do people care about most let's prioritize what we can get done keep this process simple and get this house sold which in fact she did in less than two weeks so lots of lessons on the home front laura thanks for walking down memory lane Thanks for listening. We hope this simple episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your simply industrious life. Please take a few minutes today to follow us on Facebook or Instagram and to share us with your friends. Mm -hmm.